It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, July 20th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight, the story of a small town in the Sierra Nevada that looks to rebuild after the massive creek fire destroyed nearly half of its homes. This and more on the California Report. We'll have your local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt shares the latest on the Nevada County Courthouse. Details ahead from former Nevada City Mayor Dwayne Strausser. We close with a commentary from Waste Management's Shivati Karki Pearl. That's coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Health insurance premiums sold through the state's healthcare marketplace, Covered California, will be going up next year. The increase, says Covered California, will average about 6%, although premium costs will vary widely from region to region. What's responsible for the premium hikes? Well, like so much else, you can blame inflation, as well as people using more medical services as pandemic fears ease. And federal subsidies for insurance coverage are also expected to expire later this year, passing more of the costs of coverage to the insured. That, says Covered California, could price over 200,000 people out of getting insurance. Health officials are expanding their criteria for who can get a monkeypox vaccine. In Los Angeles County, some high-risk people can now sign up for the shots online. From KPCC in Pasadena, here's reporter Jackie Fortier with more. The monkeypox shots are still in short supply, but eligible people can be added to the waiting list on the LA County Public Health website. We really want to be guided by our data, and the evidence hasn't shown that this is among women at this point. Dr. Andrea Kim is with the LA County Department of Public Health. So we're really focusing on, you know, where our known risk factors are, and that is gay or bisexual men and transgender persons. Cases have more than doubled in the last two weeks in L.A. County to 120. So far, no one in L.A. County has been hospitalized or died from the virus. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. California's trees are dying at an alarming rate, and this loss is posing a direct threat to one of the state's climate change solutions. KCRW's Megan Jamerson has more. California's forests are not keeping up with large, devastating fires. That's according to a new report out of UC Irvine, which says the number of trees has dropped almost 7% since 1985. And within just the South Coast region, 14% of trees are gone, perhaps permanently. But it's not just the wildfires. The state's ongoing droughts are getting worse due to the environmental stress of climate change, and they are making it difficult for forests to recover. The loss of trees, according to the report, will directly affect the state's ability to naturally capture and store emissions from burning fossil fuels. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson. As we warily prepare for what might be another devastating wildfire season in California, many communities are dealing with the aftermath of past blazes. It's been almost two years since the state's massive creek fire destroyed nearly half of the homes in one tight-knit mountain community in Fresno County. KVPR's Alice Daniel takes a look back. Stephanie Waite and her husband Toby raised four children in Big Creek, a tiny town in the Sierra Nevada built around a hydroelectric plant. Toby was principal of the small elementary school. Stephanie was a teacher. 
Big Creek really was idyllic, Stephanie says, but that changed over Labor Day weekend. What we felt and, and what we had as a Big Creek family um, kind of disappeared that day when the fire came through. The fire was swift and huge, taking out 41 homes and two entire streets. While most of the town evacuated on the early morning of September 5th, some men stayed behind. For a few hours, no one knew if they'd made it out. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to know, you know, eight widows. But everyone survived, a fact that Stephanie says helps her family continue to get through the trauma of losing their home. For the rest of that year, the waits drove up every day from Fresno to work. Stephanie recalls one rainy day coming into Big Creek. And there's just nothing, just gloom and burnt trees. And um, I just, you know, cried all the way to school. Oh, here he comes. Oh, do you have a shoe? Oh, what a good boy. Now the waits, with their two large dogs, have a house just outside of Fresno and new teaching jobs. But the wildfire season can bring it all back. All it takes is a, a, a whiff of smoke, and, and we're right back to those days when we found out we lost our home. Leanne Davis drives her off-road vehicle down Big Creek's main street and points to a house under construction. It's slow going, she says. They're either stopped waiting for materials or I don't know. And a temporary home where one older resident lives. He's living in a trailer waiting for his house to get built. But Davis's house survived, as did most of the buildings on this road. This is the school. Davis taught here for 38 years. The school's outdoor pool, damaged in the fire, is named after her. Davis's brother drowned at age 17 in one of the nearby creeks. And so I made it a mission to teach everybody water safety and how to swim. And now we don't have a pool. We haven't had it since the fire. Standing on the deck of her 88-year-old mother's house, Davis points out the canyon where the fire started. A bark beetle infestation and years of drought meant there were plenty of dead trees to burn. But now there are no trees, somewhat. I mean, there's just sticks. Davis's mother, Sherry Preheim, moved to Big Creek in 1960. She raised eight children here and still likes to hike, camp, hunt, and fish. I'm not a town lady. Shortly after the fire, her son took a picture of her house, still standing. And I figured I could handle all this. I'd get used to it, and it'd be fine. They'd evacuated once before in 1994, the Aspen Fire. That was the year their neighbor, Laura Rojas, moved here. Sitting in her backyard, Rojas recalls seeing the blaze behind her house. You know, I just, I didn't think it could get worse than that. But it did, with the creek fire. Her husband, Ramiro, is a firefighter. And he said, it is just horrendous. It's a beast. A beast that nearly swallowed a town, now trying to rebuild from what's left. For The California Report, I'm Alice Daniel in Big Creek. Support for The California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. 
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 20th. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Attorneys on behalf of Sage Crawford's children have sued Nevada County and the deputies present when she was fatally shot. The suit, filed in May in Nevada County Superior Court, is asking for general, punitive, and special damages, including those for future wage loss, income, and medical expenses, as well as attorneys' fees. The county, as well as deputies Caleb Todarian and Matthew Harrison, are listed as defendants. The suit alleges that Crawford's shooting, which happened in February 2021, led to emotional distress, fear, trauma, loss of support, comfort, and love. A court hearing is set for early October. No trial date has been set. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. Two Nevada Irrigation District directors have filed for re-election, District 1 Director Ricky Heck and District 2 Director Chris Beerwagon. Beerwagon, who currently serves as NID president, has made comments publicly supporting the Centennial Dam Project. The Centennial Project is a 110,000-acre reservoir with a 275-foot-high dam on the Bear River between the existing Rollins and Combi reservoirs. As of 2017, project manager Doug Roderick says the district purchased 25 properties, eight of which include homes, near the Bear River in preparation for the reservoir project. Rob Tribble, winner of the Nevada County Auditor-Controller race, was a no-show for a Wednesday court hearing set to determine whether he's qualified for the job. Officials said that Tribble never received formal notification, which the sheriff's office is now expected to give before next week's rescheduled hearing. Tribble defeated Gina Will in the June 7th elections for the job. But Will has since questioned in court documents whether Tribble has served in a senior fiscal management position for three of the past five years a requirement to be auditor-controller. Quote, If he had held one of these jobs in the past five years, it would be very simple to demonstrate, said Will's attorney, Jim Sutton. Superior Court Judge Robert Tice Raskin postponed the hearing until July 27th. County Counsel Kit Elliott says county officials have communicated with Tribble as part of his onboarding as a newly elected official. Quote, He was very aware of these proceedings, she added. County Executive Officer Allison Lehman says it can take two to three months to educate new elected officials about the county, have them meet department heads, and learn about their needs. Quote, The auditor is really the heart of the financial health of the county. We've got a strong interest in having a qualified person in that position. We're looking for Rob Tribble to provide information that he's qualified. End quote. This from the Union of Grass Valley. And sad news for all. Economic experts believe that inflation could affect even the beloved county fairs this summer. The rising prices aren't due to anything fair-specific, but rather that pervasive inflation we've been experiencing across the board. That downer from the Sacramento Bee. Turning our attention to local weather and your air quality index. Hot and dry conditions continue as we enter the middle of this week. Our neighbors to the south in Sacramento and Woodland will continue to see temperatures in the triple digits. However, there is hope on the horizon. The National Weather Service reports a gradual cooling trend late this week into the weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 66. Thursday, sunny skies with a high near 95. Current air quality is good with an AQI of zero. 
Thursday's air quality is good, with a potential AQI of 25. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 48. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Thursday, sunny with a high near 85. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 2. Thursday's air quality is good, with a potential AQI of 18. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 61. Thursday, sunny and hot, with a high near 101. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 14. Thursday's air quality is good, with a potential AQI of 20. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The fate of the Nevada County Courthouse, currently situated in downtown Nevada City, has been up in the air since 2008. That's when the state legislature provided $5 billion to fund critically needed new and renovated court facilities throughout the state. The downtown Nevada City Courthouse ranked immediate need. However, this was just the beginning of a contentious battle over remaining or relocating. Stay tuned for the latest details from former Nevada City Mayor Dwayne Strausser. We're talking with Dwayne Strasser. He is the outgoing mayor of Nevada City as of last week. Isn't that correct, Dwayne? Yes, I am. Uh, I am stepping away uh, from at least that part of my political life for now. Who replaces you now? Uh, Doug Fleming will now become mayor, and Daniela Fernandez will be the new vice mayor. I know that you were on a phone call a little while ago about the Nevada County Courthouse. Why don't you fill us in on should it stay or should it go? Well, of course, I think we believe it should stay um, as far as the uh, for the economic benefit of downtown. What's ironic is that the um, Judicial Council acknowledged that in their study, but they don't live here. They're not vested in our community. So despite acknowledging how critical it is for our economy and our community, um, they still chose to basically uh, cut corners on the budget and go with the cheapest option, which is to move it out of downtown. Do they have a location? Uh, they do not. They've, that, that's the other kind of ironic thing is they led us to believe that there were you know, one or two obvious potential choices over near the Highway 49 corridor, either at or near the county root center or near where the current uh, Forest Service offices are. And those offices are going to be moving across the highway to uh, near Juvenile Hall. So those are the two most obvious, but they left that very vague in their statement and just said, as close to Nevada City as possible. So what's the time frame now on finding out what their decision will be? Well, yeah, it's going to move forward quickly um, to our knowledge, and that's why we, uh, the few of us that are still trying to work on this behind the scenes to see if we can throw a Hail Mary, um, it's going to be going to, I believe, the state Senate and to the governor's office very shortly, within the next month or two, and then they would agree to release the funding next year in 2023 And then they're a few years away from that once the funding is in place to actually moving forward with the process of uh, being shovel ready. You know, so probably a good four to five years. At that point, it would kind of expand the size of Nevada City. If you move the courthouse over there, other things will probably start moving wherever that goes, wouldn't you think? Well, that's a possibility, but the locations that they have, you know, initially penciled in don't really loan themselves to people moving near those locations at all. 
So it kind of is, it's no different than what the state did to us way back in the sixties when they put the highway through and they cut the town in half. Um, regardless, it will be separated by highway 49 from downtown Nevada city. And there really doesn't seem to be a viable way that things would move next to it. Um, that that's one of the hard parts of this is that so many of the local attorneys have their offices already near the courthouse, uh, physically location so they can walk back and forth. The attorney general's office is the same thing. Um, down in, in Sacramento, they can send people up and piggyback, uh, in a variety of places here, whether it's at the DA's office or whether it's at probation uh, above Friar Tucks, you know, they kind of come and go and it keeps them centrally located. Now they're all going to have to drive back and forth to any potential courthouse site outside of downtown. Now, you talked about a Hail Mary. How does that work? Well, this has to be voted on and supported by the Senate, and it also has to be signed off by the governor. We do not have the same strong ties with Newsom that we had with Brown. Brown was very intimate with Nevada City personally, where Newsom is not necessarily. Um, But, you know, we, we have elected officials that represent us at the Senate congressional levels, assembly levels. So the, the fine line we're walking, though, is do we risk trying to get their support to twist back to um, option B, which is downtown? And then the judicial court, uh, you know, the council says, OK, if we don't get our way, then we're just not going to do anything. And they take us back off the priority list and our local court you know, judges and staff are stuck uh, in a very unsafe subpar facility, which is not fair to them either. And, and that that can be kind of the past pattern with certain communities when they fought to retain their historic courthouse. The Judicial Council got pretty aggressive and kind of, uh, spite, you know, in spite of them, did exactly the opposite. Um, it's almost like it's their way or their highway is kind of how it comes across. And they're really focused on trimming budget, not on what's best for any given community. Sounds like this story is to be continued. We're hoping at least that there's a a bit of a chapter to be added with some luck. We've been talking with the outgoing mayor of Nevada City, Dwayne Strasser. Thanks for all your information, Dwayne. Yep. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. Waste Management Public Services Manager Shivati Karkupurl likes to talk trash. And since it's Plastics Free July, you can guess what she's got her sights set on. Up ahead, a commentary. Plastic, plastic, plastic. Take a moment to look around and notice all the plastic. It's in our kitchens, bathrooms, living rooms, garages, and yards. It's in stores, at restaurants, and events like concerts, sporting games, and the county fair. Plastic is everywhere. It's hard to imagine ridding the world of all plastic and can feel overwhelming when attempting to make a dent yourself. But there are small steps you can take to help reduce plastic and ensure that the plastic you do use can be recycled. Let's start with the easiest item and the biggest culprit in our recyclable carts, plastic bags. They cannot be recycled through curbside recycling programs. And even if they could, plastic bags are extremely harmful to the environment. Loose plastic bags are easily blown in the wind, can get tangled in trees, on wildlife, and in machines that sort recyclable materials. 
save your plastic bags and deposit them in containers available at all grocery stores in town or take them to an organization like the Interfaith Food Ministry. It is easy to stop using plastic bags. Reusable cloth bags are abundant and can replace plastic bags at stores. Keep a handful of reusable bags in your vehicle and remember to take them to the store when you shop. You can also purchase cloth mesh bags for the produce you purchase at the grocery store. Single-use plastic bottles are another hard-to-recycle product that can easily be eliminated by small actions by each of us. Instead of purchasing plastic bottles, purchase a reusable drinking container for your water or other beverages. Or look for beverages in aluminum cans which are easier to recycle. When forced to use plastic while purchasing items such as yogurt or laundry detergent, make sure that you recycle the right way to ensure that plastic has a second life. Make sure to empty all the plastic bottles, jugs and tubs and dry them before placing in your recycling cart. Plastic containers with food and liquid can harm other recyclable materials, turning those materials into trash. How about plastic food containers? When it comes to storing food, avoid using plastic containers or bags. Try to use reusable glass, food-grade silicone bags, or stainless steel containers. Or, if you cannot avoid it, try cleaning your plastic containers or bags for reuse. Remember, plastic bags, including small sandwich bags or gallon freezer bags, are not recyclable. When preparing meals to take to school or lunch, consider wax or parchment paper and bags as well as beeswax wraps. These products are made of plant-based materials and are compostable and even reusable. While summer is the time for picnics and other outdoor gatherings where plastic cutlery is convenient, try replacing plastic forks and knives with reusable or biodegradable cutlery. It may seem something extra to carry back to the car, but it could help keep the environment clean. It's always easier to take the more convenient route, but the payoff in making an extra step could help ensure a bright future for tomorrow. The views expressed are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, July 20th. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and SBD Markets, family operated in Nevada County since 1959, offering conventional, organic, and local products, produce, also specialty food. Nevada City location carrying hardware, fix-it, and camping needs, including small appliances. SBDmarket.com and Trips Auto Body Shop, local owned since 1954. Reminding listeners, motorists have the right to choose an auto repair shop for insured collision repair. Open weekdays 8 to 5, Freeman Lane, Grass Valley. TripsAutoBody.com Keep it tuned to your community radio station. Coming up at 6.30, it's The Sages Among Us with host Lori Burkhart-Frank. 
Then at 7, you know the drill, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.